Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 5 is over, but we're just getting started answering your voicemails here on the Game of Thrones Feedback Show on Post Show Recaps. And now, here are the two guys who believe very strongly in the importance of vaccinating your children against grayscale. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Josh Wiggler. Yeah, I mean, really. At this point, are we even having this debate? Is the is the grayscale vaccination debate something that we need to get into? No, you know, it's it's crazy. Conventional wisdom, no, man. Because there are some people out there that are, you know, these people like, oh, well, let me just, you know, I, I'm going to bring my kids to a party where all the other kids ha- already have grayscale because I want my kids to get it at a young age and just get it over with. And that's dangerous. Man, do not that, do that. That Lady Jenny of House McCarthy, I swear, she is just tearing it up. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Not good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, the, you know, whatever. But do not do that. That is bad. That is very Vaccinate. bad. Vaccinate for Grayscale. Thumbs down. But thumbs up on Game of Thrones. Yeah. And we are at the officially now. This is the halfway point. Like we're really we're at the voicemail section in between. it. We've done five episodes in the past, five episodes in the future. Here we are right in the middle. Well, that assumes that we don't have any Game of Thrones stuff planned for after the season. Oh, okay. so we're right in the middle of season five. Sure, sure, sure. And that's the only little tease I will get. Yes, this is like the uh, Moat Kalen of, <laughs> of season five right here. So this podcast is going to be very difficult to get through. Is yes, what we, are saying. we can defend all of season five. We just have a 360. We can see any, anybody coming from the front of season five, from the back of season five. We're just going to take them down. Well, that's interesting that you, that, that you bring that up because actually some of the comments that I, that I was getting this week, and, and we won't get through too many of those, um, but I was getting a lot of comments this week about how season five is kind of just, eh, not great. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, but you know, I think I said this at the end of the episode where you know, there has not been a you know, top 10 series moment so far. And again, there's been so many great moments in the series, but you know, Nothing that is like an iconic moment of the show yet here in season five. Right. Well, we've still got some time. We've got five episodes to accomplish this. Uh, I feel like, you know, there have been there have been seasons in the past where it's taken a while for all of the awesome things to happen. I feel like the most awesome moments of Game of Thrones are usually reserved for the back half of a season. I think that season four was... Um, you you could say that about season four too, but season four also has Joffrey dying in the second episode. So there's some excitement right at the top. But even at the time, I remember you and I were thinking like, is this too much too fast? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ended up working out really well. But, you know, for for most of the time, for most of the cases with Game of Thrones, I think that the exciting stuff tends to happen in the back half of the season, which is what we're looking at now. So fingers crossed that that's where we're going. Okay. And also with the you know, crazy stuff at the start of season four, I mean, I think that's also a product of the way that season three and season four are one book that's sort of spread out over two seasons. So whereas in a regular season, you probably wouldn't have such a big moment at the start of the season. It's just like the middle of one book. Right. Well, season five is combining books four and five of Game of Thrones, which I tell you, maybe not a ton happens. In those yeah, there's, there's no, I get that. that people don't love that. those books. Uh, but there's, I mean, even even then, there's there is. I can I can tell you just from the folk perspective, there's tons of great stuff that happens. But a lot of that does happen, you know, a little bit deeper into the thing. So I think that we are facing some really great stuff coming up. But it's been a ton of build up this season. Um, but there have been some other issues that that I do feel like we we should talk through, and we could just get straight into a voicemail now and and hash it out if you're ready. I am ready, of course. 
Josh, uh, how did the voicemails uh, get here? How did these ravens end up uh, here, sitting here in our castle? Several ways to do this. You can, you can send us some email. You can go got at postshowrecaps.com. You can go to postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. We love the voicemails, and you guys have been giving us tons of voicemails. The best way to do that is postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. Uh, keep those up because those have been very fun. Okay. Uh, what's the first voicemail you want to take? All right. So I want to take a voicemail from our good buddy, R. Philly. R. Philly uh, has a question about the, um, the, the structure of this past episode that we just watched, which I think is an interesting question to begin with. Hey, what up, guys? This is Rich Filiberto, otherwise known as R. Philly out in the Twitter sphere. I wanted to ask you guys a broad question about what you thought about the formatting of the episode this week. I was wondering whether or not you guys enjoyed this bottle-style episode that focused on a few specific regions and spent more time with a handful of characters, or if you prefer it when the show tries to cover the entire ensemble. I saw a lot of mixed reactions. Some people seemed really disappointed we didn't get any time with characters like Arya and Cersei, but other people really seemed to enjoy it. I know you guys have had some very strong opinions about episodes that were formatted like this in The Walking Dead in the recent past, and I'm just curious whether or not you think this is a good direction for them to go in the future. Thank you guys so much. So what, what do you make of that, Rob? Because this, I think, is, is a criticism that I saw a lot of this week. This was a focused episode. We really didn't do too much outside of Meereen and The Wall and Winterfell and Tyrion and Jorah's storyline. We didn't see anything in Bravos. We didn't see anything in King's Landing. We didn't see anything in Dorne. This was something that Matt Campbell wrote in two weeks in a row without the fan favorite Arya halfway through the season and essentially just two scenes of the Martells. Feels like a misstep. These are two storylines that need to be hyped and spent time on early. Do you agree with that? Do you think that maybe this episode was too focused on too few people? No, because I think it all works out. You know, Lost got into doing this a lot. And I know that uh, you know that particularly well, where it was like, hey, this is the week where you see what, you know, Sawyer is doing and 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 the people that are with him. And then the next week it would go to, like, then it's the week where you see what like Jack and Ben are doing and, and stuff like that. As opposed to, I think I'd rather do the deep dive with, you know, three or four stories as opposed to what I like to call the NFL red zone approach, which I know is I'm speaking high Valerian to you right now. Yeah, uh, I was talking about the NFL that. red zone, but the NFL red zone is a channel where it's like, all right, let's go out to like, oh, giants are in the red zone. Let's go out to giant stadium and uh, pick up giants cowboys. And then, you know, you see like one play there and then like, okay, all right, the Eagles are moving in against Atlanta. Let's go out to, uh, you know, let's go out to uh, Lincoln financial and here's uh, the Eagles. And you're watching like one play there and it's just like bouncing around Westeros from play to play as opposed to I'd rather spend a little more time with fewer characters. I think the best that Game of Thrones does is some of these episodes where it's like we spend the entire episode in one place, sort of like Blackwater or I know it wasn't as popular, but the stuff with the, you know, the watchers on the wall last season, like those are, I think, some of the most epic episodes of the show. So I like spending more time with fewer characters. I think that the problem that that many people do run into, and I don't think it's unfair, is just how few episodes you get in a season of Game of Thrones. You right. only get 10 episodes. And, you know, we're now talking about five, five episodes into season five, and only two of those episodes featured Arya. You know, like that, it, it, I think that that is probably the character that I would point to, the storyline that I would point to to be like, wow, we really haven't done much. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's difficult. It's hard, to, it's hard to service everybody properly 
with such few episodes. You know, we, there's just not enough time to to get to everybody the way that you want to. And um, I think that once we can get the fuller picture of season five of what this whole season looks like and what all these arcs look like, I think that maybe the tune will will change a little bit. Um, but for now, I, I hear what people are saying. I, I, I think uh, if I didn't have an idea of where things are going, I'd be a little frustrated as well. Okay. All right. So you're saying hang in there. Hang in there. Hang don't de- delete the season pass off your DVR. Definitely don't. Definitely don't. Um, all right. So we got a bunch of questions in about Daenerys uh, this week. A lot, of go- a lot of stuff going on with Danny and Danny's decision to, to pop the question to his Darza Lorak and to feed some people to her dragons. Um, and it's that point specifically that our, that our buddy Omri from Jerusalem uh, gave us a voicemail about. So let's, let's hear it from Omri. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Omri from Jerusalem, first of my name. Maybe my Valyrian is a bit rusted, but when Danny was down at the crypts, I'm pretty sure all she kept saying was, burn them all, burn them all. I was half expecting Jamie to come out and stab her in the back. I mean, her behavior was very reminiscent of the Mad King's behavior. And a few weeks ago, we had Barristan uh, remind us of the Mad King's uh, inclination of burning people alive. Do you think the show is pointing us towards a point where Danny is starting to lose control and start to behave like her father? Hmm. Wow. The Mad Queen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, why are you mad, Danny? Why, why are you mad, Queen? Um, yeah, is, but is that what we're facing? I mean, we've we've heard this before that the Targaryens it can really go one of two ways. They can be super awesome and the people love them and they're just great rulers, or they can go just batshit crazy, uh, as we saw with or didn't see, but have heard about with Aerys the Mad King, who had to get stabbed in the back by Jaime Lannister. Do we fear this moment from Danny? feeding one of these, you know, men from the great houses of Meereen, feeding one of these guys to her baby dragons, who aren't such baby dragons anymore. I didn't fear that. Although, did the Mad King come up in the previously on Game of Thrones? I feel like that, that he got a, at least a name check in the previously on. I can't, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I wouldn't be surprised. I know that they, I know that they did some, some previously on business just to reset that Aemon is a Targaryen on the wall. Uh, but I don't, I don't remember much about the Mad King, but it's possible. Yeah. No, I don't think that that's necessarily the case where she's like losing it. I think that Danny is certainly her patience is being tested, but no, I didn't get she's the sense. She's stressed. Yeah. She's stressed out. Yeah. Yeah. And I know she had the whole execution thing that happened, uh, you know, in the beginning of the season or the second episode. And then this whole thing that happened now. But no, I don't get the sense that she is like losing it out there and is like, you know, becoming the, the, the new mad queen. But you don't think that the mad yeah, I mean, Khaleesi, yeah, the mad Khaleesi, she's definitely stressed. You know, she's strung out a little bit. You know, she's got a lot on her plate now that she is actually the leader of a city is actually the queen of a city. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the social classes division. This is going to be tough. This is a very, <laughs> it's a very difficult thing that, that Danny is wrestling with. And, you know, I, I have a hard time blaming her for feeding one of these, you know, wing nuts to a, to a dragon. I feel like, um, you know, you got dragons, you got to feed them. These guys have been causing you problems. So, yeah, maybe she's going a little mad, but we all go a little mad sometimes. And uh, I don't know if this is indicative of her truly losing her mind the way that Aris, uh lost his mind, the way that the Mad King really went mad. I, I wonder if that's the ultimate direction for Danny, how people would, would respond to that if what we're supposed to be seeing with Danny is how like a good person just goes crazy. Like the way that this show 
has turned a lot of the bad characters into characters that we like a lot now. Um, you know, hard, hard to imagine Jamie in season one being one of the, the more identifiable hero types in season five, but that's where we are. Could it, could it be a reversal with, with some of these characters, with some of these people who start off being so noble and, and good and end up being crazy and warmongering by the end of this thing? Who knows? That's, that's a future problem. But right now, I think, uh, I think Danny's decision to, to feed this guy to Dragonfire, I think it was okay. Wow. She's, so you're saying that Daenerys is like an Anakin Skywalker type figure in the... Yeah, could she be? I don't know. Wow. That could be interesting. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, this could be uh, the prequels. And then we're just setting up for Game of Thrones, the, the next trilogy in like 20 years from now. Wow. Okay. Where like Arya and Bran are old. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that sounds terrible. First, Bran has to show up again. Okay. Before he, before he could be old. All right, so that's question number one about Danny. Here, let's let's hear from the great Jackie Tomeyer, who has another question about Danny and Maureen. Hey guys, Jackie here again, and another great episode of Game of Thrones, and another great uh, show. Thank you very much. Um, I loved everything with Danny and Maureen and the dragons. I want dragons every episode. I love it. Except, I'm just wondering if Danny is getting a little wrapped up in Marine, is she losing sight of where she eventually wants to go? Has she totally forgot about Westeros? Has she forgot that she's on a mission and she's just trying to uh, make home in Marine? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much. All right. Is she supposed to be renting in Marine and then she's she forgot that she, this is a rental and she's acting like she bought Marine? It's like she bought the place. Yeah, she has like a it, she should be acting like it's a rental. You know, yeah. that would be nice. That would be that would be great for all of us. But it, y- you wonder if she bought something by taking over this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's like and- the person that's like, you know, went to college in a town and then yes. like is graduated, but then is, is like going to live in the town. And it's like, dude, like you graduated, like you got to move on. Yeah, I have I have great friends who did that. Um, I almost uh, did that. Yeah, no, my my good buddy Coconut Pete, who has appeared on some of the Lost Lives podcast. No butts, no cuts, no coconuts. Pete. No coconuts, no coconuts. Pete, uh, he he still lives in in our in our uh, alma mater town in in Syracuse, New York, and he he loves it there. But you know, it's it's very for me. I I greatly enjoyed my college experience, but there was no way in hell that I was going to stick around. Um, but for some people, that really works out. For somebody like Danny, though who, you know, is coming here, is accomplishing things, is learning how to rule, is is uh, showing that she's got military instinct and all that. You would hope that this is VR training for her to move on to something else, and that something else being the big city, and the big city being King's Landing and the rest of Westeros. But it is starting to look like she is digging in. Um, she is absolutely starting to... Uh, look at Marine like this is her. This is her stop. This is where this is where she's going to settle down. And I think we can we can tie this actually in with another voicemail that we got to continue the conversation um, from Andrew. Andrew left us a voicemail talking about um, Danny's upcoming wedding. Hey guys, this is Andrew calling from Ireland. I'm loving the show this season and the recaps. You guys are doing such a great job. Anyway, my question this week is about Daenerys and her upcoming marriage to Hisdar. It's pretty safe to say that marriages in Game of Thrones don't really go well together. Do you think this one will be any different? Also, do you think Tyrion and Jorah might show up? I mean, a lot of major characters in a small place is never really a good sign. We've seen this in the Red Wedding before. So what's your take on that? Thanks, guys. Loving the show. 
So we. So uh, we've got, can you imagine this already? That we have like the. Uh, what is we there, call it? What, what's this wedding going to be? This is called? this is going to be. Um, we're going to call this the gray wedding. Okay? okay. All right. So picture it. So all right. All right so up. is there a high septin in Marine? That how, how do they how do they get get married? I don't know. Some dude. Okay. All right. So picture it. All right. So high septin Marine. Everybody unsullied on one side. All of the you know all of the masters on the other side. And I can see it. All right. And, you know, like, uh, you know, do you, Danny, take uh, his dar to be your lawfully wedded husband? Okay, I do. Is, is there anybody here who objects to this wedding? And then here comes Sir Jorah. Yes. And he comes riding in. He's like, uh, uh, I object. I object that uh, she's my Khaleesi. And then he just he just runs over and like puts all his grayscale hands all over his dar's face. Uh, uh, and gross. then just germ bombs him. Yes. And then he's like, okay, well now you have to kiss the bride. And Danny's like, uh, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> no, thank yeah. you. No, no more. That's it. That's, that's the extent of it. That's, that's all. We get. Some guy just got grayscale all over his face at the wedding. It's pretty gross. I thought that gray worm would at least get involved. <laughs> He'd probably step in. What do you think? Gray wedding? Yeah. Gray wedding. I'm into the gray wedding. Yeah. This would work better if it was gray worm and Masande's wedding. <laughs> yeah. That's the worm wedding. Yeah. I heard Worm Sunday, by the way. Worm was, Sunday. Was one that I heard. That, well, that's the day they're getting married. <laughs> it's a very wormy Sunday. <laughs> Tough to book the pyramid on that day. <laughs> I like it. No, I think this is a great idea. Let's let's get it. Let's let's call up David Benioff and Dan Weiss and pitch our idea. I think that we ought to write an episode of Game of Thrones next season. <laughs> Fan fiction? Fan fiction. I think that'd be good. Okay. Uh, but no, I, I think, you know, uh, in seriousness... It does. It does feel like she's digging in. Just the fact that she is going to get married to somebody in Mirene—that's, uh, you know, that's not nothing. Yeah, that's a commitment. Also, that's also like not only did you like buy a house in your college town, but you also like married somebody that lives in the town that your college was. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and with all the respect to Syracuse, that's fine. But some people go to college in like small towns and stuff like that. Uh, and you, you know, you end up, you know, uh, meeting somebody there who didn't even go to the school. And then that's, you know, you know, that's I, look, some people that worked out great for, but other people, like you say, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? I just feel like Danny, you know, she's got this birthright, you know, satisfy the birthright. Mm. Get to work. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's one thing we really want you to do. We just really want you to go and do that. All right. So while we're on the subject of Tyrion and Jorah, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about Grayscale. Uh, let's get into a voicemail from Jonathan Schwartz, uh, not from NPR. Uh, Jonathan Schwartz coming into us with a hot take on Grayscale. Hey, Rob and Josh. This is Jonathan from Orlando. I had a question about Jorah and his Grayscale. He tells Tyrion when they're fighting the Stone Men not to be touched by anyone that has Grayscale to avoid it being passed on to them. We later find out that Jorah is now infected, so shouldn't Tyrion be as well, considering that Jorah would have had to make contact with Tyrion in order to save him in the water? Is this something that will just be an oversight, or do you believe that we will find out later that Tyrion would all, is also infected with Grayscale? I'd love to hear what you guys think. Bye. I mean, this seems pretty straightforward uh, to me, right? What do you What do you see in like if you know if I have like flesh eating bacteria like on my <laughs> on my forearm, yeah, and I touch you with my hands, like if you didn't touch the the cootie spot. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like you're okay, right? Spot. Oh, a hashtag, a wild hashtag has emerged. Like, right? Like, is, isn't that like a, or, a, you know, if I have a wart on my foot, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I don't touch you with my, if I don't rub my wart on you, uh-huh. I touch you with my hands. Yeah. You should yeah, be yeah, fine, yeah. right? Well, do you think that Jorah dislikes Tyrion so much that while Tyrion was sleeping, he just like kind of looked around, made sure no one was looking, and then just like rubbed him in the face a little bit? With no, they hit it off. off. They hit it off. Because they were like reciting poetry at each other during their trip through uh, Old Valyria? Yeah. They had a quick like bro date, like the bro down. Who would, who would you let rub your cootie spot, Rob? Well, what makes you think I have a cootie spot? Everybody's got a cootie spot. Well, <laughs> it's a, this obviously this is a very personal invasive question. I'm very sorry that I asked. I don't. Does everybody have a spot of grayscale on them? I think everyone's got a, a little bit of grayscale <laughs> inside, at least. Is it? Is this an like a, a proverbial an enemy? That is this somebody bad that I want to uh, to rub the cootie spot? Or if you just want to share the wealth, I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe people. This could be a really offensive, actually, to to people with grayscale. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yes, there are millions of people in Westeros affected every year by grayscale. Yeah, every day, every day, millions <laughs> millions of people come down <laughs> with grayscale. Oh God, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's really horrible. Uh, okay, so you're saying that that Tyrion Tyrion did not make contact with the cooties, right? Right, and therefore he is not uh, right. But he, by the time we get to the gray wedding, Jor is going to have grayscale all over his hands, and when he's he, like, it's just going to be one gigantic cootie spot. Yes, yes, and he's just going to like uh, want to be like uh, say like uh, like oh let me see the man that's going to marry the Khaleesi. And then he's going to take his gloves off and like, ah! Yeah, he's, he currently has a cootie spot of grayscale, but soon he's going to have just like a cootie body of grayscale. Yeah, in over the course of years, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it, it could be time. years. It could take, you know, no time at all. Who knows? Yeah, it depends uh, how, uh, you know, virulent the grayscale guy that touched him. But he looked pretty bad. He looked pretty bad. It yeah. varies, though. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't vary. Uh, va- it, var- <laughs> it varies. varies from case to case. Yes. Uh, let's let's hear something more on on the topic of grayscale from uh, Steve Davis. Uh, Steve Davis sent in sent us in a voicemail, and this is this is something that I think uh, I'm I'm surprised you and I haven't already gotten into, Rob. So let's hear it from Steve. Why didn't Sir Jorah take a page out of Rick Grimes' playbook and chop his hand off? Since the grayscale didn't seem to spread very far. Okay, good question. How about that? Why didn't he? Why isn't Jorah, first of all, watching The Walking Dead? Hmm. That's question number one. You know, he's had some time off. You would think that he would have just binged this show while he was, you know, in exile. But uh, do you think that he's just not like when he gets unemployed, he's not a he's not a TV watcher. (laughs) That would be my first move. Yeah, that would be a good move. So, yeah, I mean, this is but this is something that we've seen Rick Grimes do on The Walking Dead. No major spoilers here. This should be fairly conventional wisdom when it comes to the zombie apocalypse. If you got bit on the hand, cut the hand off as quickly as you can. And maybe you've stopped the spread of the virus. Why aren't the same rules applying here to grayscale? Do they apply? And if they apply, why is Jorah not just lopping off his arm slightly above the cootie spot? Okay, I guess a couple things here. Um, One, like this just happened and maybe he will do that. Um, second of all, it seems like he's going to try to keep it a secret about, about this. He doesn't want people to know. He's also with Tyrion and he's in a rowboat, right? Like, you know, wherever he's going to try to get to, like, he kind of needs that arm to, to still 
to still row the boat. Like so it might his, be a death his, sentence. Yeah. So his either his, way, his immediate survival odds are better with grayscale than without. Right. And I actually read uh, something about this on uh, on Grantland. Uh, they have a column called uh, "Ask the Maester." Uh, and I believe that question was asked also a bit like they have people who, you know, ask somebody uh, who's a Game of Thrones expert uh, this question. And uh, the response that was given was that, you know, without a maester around, um, you know, Sir Jorah is going to bleed to death if he cuts his arm off. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what's the worst scenario of, right. you know, eventually go crazy from from grayscale or you know, you know, cut your arm off. Like the thing with the zombie virus, so, you know, the walking dead, you've got like a couple of hours before, you know, maybe a day before you're a walker. Grayscale is not nearly as fast of a transition. Yeah. Like uh, it, I'm, it, might, I'm, it might take, you know, you know, a year or so yeah. on to fully, you know, get totally grayscaled out. Uh, this is, I'm so glad that you, you pointed this out to me. I, I was not aware of Ask the Maester. I've just looked this up. Uh, he writes on here, Greg, Aris, and Ashley ask, why doesn't Jorah just cut off his arm? And the maester replies, amputation is one of the standard treatments for the early stages of grayscale, along with baths and various soaks and medicinal rubs. It's not a perfect cure, though, and Jorah hacking off his arm would, one, be life-threatening without the guidance of a maester to stab off infection, and two, give away that he has the disease. Assuming Jorah makes it to Marine, he probably wouldn't want to make it, he probably wouldn't make it into the city, much less into Daenerys' presence if it was known that he was infected with grayscale, he would either be executed or shipped back to live out his days with the stone men. Yeah. All right. So, fair enough. Good answer. Okay. Uh, so he's just going to go and he's going to ignite the, the gray wedding instead. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, I, I don't think that the, this book is going to be about Sir Jorah's like, you know, eventual transition to a stone man. Hopefully uh, whatever happened, I mean, there's a precedent of saving people with grayscale. Hopefully we can also uh, get that going for Sir Jorah because he's had a tough life. He's had a really hard life. What yeah. if I, it, it can't get any harder? And uh, does he know his dad is dead also? Uh, I don't know that he has heard that news. Yeah. But once he does, that's going to be very disappointing. Yes. And that Jon Snow has his family sword. Yeah, he's not going to be thrilled. That's fine. <laughs> yes. That's fine. What? Hey, all right. So let's, let's talk about, let's, let's, let's tie the Targaryens and um, the Jon Snow storyline together. This is a voicemail in from Matt Campbell, who has a question about Danny by way of the Night's Watch. Uh, let's get into that. Shaggy dog, Summer, how are you? <laughs> Matt from Australia here. What up, dog? I think we're sleeping on a pretty important scene from last episode. Sam telling Amon Daenerys is alive and she has dragons. This is meaningful for Amon, but it's huge info for the Night's Watch as a whole. Winter is coming along with the ice creatures that come with it, and now they know there's massive fire weapons out there for them. Should the Night's Watch be doing everything in their power to get a message to Danny, telling her to pop over, have a cup of tea with your great-uncle Amon before he kicks the bucket, and save the kingdom of Westeros while you're here. Thanks. Hmm. This is a great plan. It's a very good plan. Do we know how effective the dragons are against, you know, these White Walkers? I don't know that we know, but we do know this. We know from this episode, in fact, uh, that Sam, what he used to kill one of these White Walkers when he became Sam the Slayer was dragon glass. Obsidian, and yes. Obsidian, dragon glass, uh, called dragon glass. You would imagine 
that dragons uh, would be better than dragon glass. That's just my <laughs> hunch. Um, you also get Stannis saying that there's tons of obsidian at Dragonstone. So dragons and Dragonstone and dragon glass, they all seem pretty linked. I feel like the worst case scenario, uh, you could you could melt a bunch of shit north of the wall <laughs> if you had some dragons. Yeah. You cause like some avalanches and stuff. <laughs> yes, you could. Yeah. I don't know. Hard to, hard to think of too many like big war situations where you don't want the dragons on your side. Yeah. But, you know, again, the dragons are not, you know, trained monkeys by any stretch of the imagination either, where you could like at this point, you know, harness them and fly them up there and then take out like, you know, a, do like a surgical strike on these guys and then fly out of there. Why not? <laughs> why, why not? Because they can't even get them to do what Danny wants and not eat kids and stuff like that. But why? <laughs> because they don't listen. But why can't we do that yet? Because they don't listen. They're, oh, uh, they're bad. Uh, but I want it. Maybe when they grow up, they're, they're, you know, they'll get through. This is just a phase. But right but, now. But I want it now. Um, I, feel like, I feel like this would be great, though. I, at least an attempt. You know, they don't know this. They, all they know is the rumors that they've heard of Daenerys having the dragons and being in power. And yeah, but this is what day. happens when you get success that you have all these like relatives that come out of the woodwork of like, ah, uh, dear, yeah, dear yeah. Danny, you don't know me, but I'm your uncle. Uh, could I borrow your dragons for a couple of days because I need them for something? You don't right. know me, but I know you. And it's, right. it happens yeah, no, all the time. Point. That's a good point. That's a good point. And she doesn't even have like a barrist in the bold anymore who can be like, oh yeah, totally. You definitely have a relative on the Night's Watch. Like I yeah. can verify that is verified. It is confirmed. She has no one to confirm that now. I mean, Tyrion, if Tyrion makes it to Meereen, Tyrion might be a guy who can, who can let her know. I mean, he's visited the wall. I can't remember if he interacted too much with Maester Raymond, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyrion knew that Maester Raymond was up there. So maybe Tyrion is somebody who could verify that. But right now, if she were to get a raven from the Night's Watch saying, hey, come, come for tea time with Uncle Eamon, she's probably just going to be like, who the hell is Uncle Eamon? Yeah. I'm not going there. Maybe she knows the stories. Maybe she doesn't. But, it, you know, I think that going to the wall, I mean, she doesn't know anything about the wall and White Walkers and stuff like that. Like, she's, she knows about, like, Westeros and Marine and stuff like that. Like, that's not even not on, on her, her to-do radar. list. Yeah. Not on her radar. Should be on her radar. Should so be. It'd be yeah. It'd be, it'd be cool. Uh, while we're at the wall, here's a question from Jackie Swanson who wrote in and said, I don't fully understand the Jon Snow plan of opening the wall for the wildlings. Is he including the giants, the cannibals, the other non-human creatures in their army? Also, I believe immigration is a federal issue. If so, shouldn't the decision to open the wall rest with, with the king? Uh, does North Dakota have the power to allow Canadians into our country? Hey, why wouldn't he want them? Why wouldn't the king want the wildlings or the Canadians? <laughs> why, why wouldn't we want the Canadians to come? I want the Canadians here. I yes. love the Canadians. Yes. I mean, probably but the better parallel. Canadians that are going to be marching on the United States riding mastodons. Right. Probably the better parallel is the talk of immigration reform, uh, not so much with Canada, but with Mexico, where there's a lot right. of people. And I think there's people who say that we should put up a wall between the United States and, and Mexico. I think that, that uh, there's definitely that idea has been floated around. And then there's all this talk about in our own government of what should we do with people that have gotten come into the United States from Mexico illegally? What do we do that they're here? Do we send them back? Do we do we make them into citizens now? And yeah, Jon Snow is really a 
you understand why this is such he's such a transformative figure at the wall. He's doing all this immigration reform just on the fly. And he's only been elected. I mean, it's not like he has a mandate where he came in with an overwhelming a, majority. A boy date. A yeah. boy date right now. <laughs> right. He, he came, wants a mandate. He wants a mandate. He came in, he won in a tie break vote. And then he's making like these sweeping changes to the politics of the night's watch. And it's this not, vote truly went to rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how they vote. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. And so, yeah, this is kind of a, cr- a crazy plan where he wants to, you know, basically this is the equivalent of, you know, saying like, all right, let's bring everybody from, you know, Mexico in. Huh? Um, and then just like and then you just uh, live here. We'll just uh, like give you guys we'll find spots for you guys like in the desert or whatever, you know, that just like, um, you know, near the border. You'll just give you all this sp- all this land. Yeah. But there aren't like, you know, I don't know. There aren't ice creatures that are coming from Mexico that we need to save the Mexicans from, are there? Yeah, you would like to think if there were like, you know, uh, really mean like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some sort of monsters that were coming that were going to, that were going to, you know, turn all the people in Mexico into zombies. Like, I think that that wouldn't be such a crazy idea. Like, if you like, if we don't let these people from Mexico that want to, that want to leave Mexico into the United States, like they're going to turn into monsters and then we're going to have more monsters to deal with if we don't do that. Like, I feel like that plan might make sense. Right. There might be ice monsters if we're using like the urban dictionary definition of ice. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's it's not an apples to apples type of thing. This is a different a different parallel. But, you know, Jon Snow, I think is his ideas make some sense. And there's some guys. Yeah, but we hate them. You know, his his ideas make sense. They make sense. They make sense. They need they need the warm bodies. They don't want the warm bodies to turn into cold bodies. They don't want the cold, cold bodies. bodies, right. Yeah, they don't want the warm bodies to turn into cold bodies that now stand up and walk around and turn your warm bodies into cold bodies. Uh, that's that's ideally we want to get away from that. We we talked about this on the live show. His sales pitch needed some work. Okay. Needed I agree. Um, let's go back to Stephen Davis. Let's go back to Stephen Davis who had a question about a man who was upon the wall but has left. Who has left, who has seemingly turned his back on the cause of fighting the ice monsters. Here's Stephen Davis. Hey guys, it's Steve over in Los Angeles. Didn't Stannis abandon his quest for the Iron Throne in season three once he got the Raven Scroll about the White Walkers? Isn't that the whole reason he went north? Is he is he isn't he now doing a 180, deciding to jump back into the war and march south? Yeah, it's a good question. Like if Stannis ultimately said, okay, well, the big problem here is the wildlings. Let me go up there and thwart the wildlings in their attack on Castle Black. Okay, did that. But it did feel like in that moment at the end of season three that he was like, oh, the walkers are the problem. Not so much the wildlings, right? Right, right, right. Um, I, I mean, it seems like he's still interested in it. You know, he he's giving John the ships to go and get those wildlings. He has this conversation with Samuel Tarley. Uh, where he says, keep reading Samuel Tarley. Uh, and he he tells him uh, they, they have that conversation about Dragon Glass. He brings up that there's Dragon Glass in Dragonstone. Um, so he seems like he is still interested. But the point remains that, yeah, he is leaving the wall and marching south on the Boltons. And it doesn't seem that he has given up his claim to the Iron Throne. Um, I don't think that he ever did. You know, I don't think that he ever was like, oh, well, I better go save the North from the White Walkers and the Wildlings, and that'll be my whole purpose. I think that this has all been part of the, the, whole, the, the whole greater idea that he is the rightful king of the realm. 
Um, but it, do you take any issue with him now setting his sights on the Boltons, or do you see the sense in it? Hmm. I mean, I guess like the North is really unstable right now. Yeah. It is being ruled by these uh, true dickheads, you know, these, these, real, these real jerks uh, in, in Ramsey and Roos. They're just horrible people. Uh, nobody in the North likes these people. Um, and Stannis, if he can crush them, he can get the North to his cause. Uh, he can use those people to either march further south, if that's what he's really into, or he might be able to rally the rest of the North and be like, hey, White Walkers, let's go. Let's do this. Let's take care of them. Um, so, you know, he's been interested in bolstering his numbers. If he feels confident in his ability to crush the Boltons, he can then turn the Northerners to his cause, and that is now a bigger army to combat the White Walkers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like if the plan was, all right, I'm going to go take out the Boltons. I'll be back. Okay, we're, we're, we're just going to let me BRB. just go. Yeah, BRB. We're going to go take over, you know, Winterfell and kick the Boltons out of here. And then, uh, you know, then let's, you know, keep us posted on how things are going on. But, you know, we, we did, we're not forgetting about you guys. You know, it's almost like this was like a pit stop that was like out of the way. He was like, okay, we're going to come up here, check out what you guys are doing. All right, now we're out of here. We're on, you know, we're headed down the King's Road now to next stop, King's Landing. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it to a degree. Uh, I just don't even know why he's up there if his ultimate plan was not to get involved with the battle again. I mean, if he he just was going up there to tell Sam, keep reading, Sam. All right, we're out. (laughs) Good night. I think that even, you know, in, in either direction, let's say he wants to fight the White Walkers, he needs more men. So he, he can turn the North to his cause and fight the White Walkers that way. If he wants to keep marching South and he wants to give another shot at the Blackwater. But what men are in the North? There's a bunch. Of, it's the North. It's like everyone who lives in the North. I, I guess so. So, so did. I mean, it's not, it's not a unified army right now. It's not, like, it's, it's not what it was when Rob Stark was in charge. And certainly a ton of those people are no longer alive. Right. Of the Wedding. The Red Wedding, they take out most of the Stark men. Whatever Stark men are left, you know, now the, you know, the bolt. They took for, out the A squad. Well, the and a, for a long a time. Out. A squad's out. For, and for a long time, you know, the phrase hold Mo Kalen. I don't know how anybody is able to get back. I guess once once Roos Bolton takes over Mo Kalen, then he lets all of whatever North people that are left from the Red Wedding come back. I guess he must have. I mean, there's, there's plenty of people in the North still, um, you know, and I think that a lot of the people in Roos's army probably, uh, you know, would be fairly quick to just say, whatever, bro, uh, you've been beaten by Stannis Baratheon. We'll go with that guy. He seems like he's better equipped to deal with this stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't feel like it's going to take too much to turn the Bolton men against the Bolton. OK, you know, they're pretty horrible. They are pretty hard. <laughs> uh, in fact, they're so terrible. This was a comment from Bogda. Bogda said, let's give Sansa some credit for being able to calmly sit in a room with the man who killed her brother and mother. She is pretty fearless at this point. Uh, you know, we gave Sansa some shit on Sunday night, but this is this is a good point. Yeah, you know, she did say to them, like, uh, it's not the castle that's weird. It's the people. I thought that was probably she probably should have kept that to herself. Yeah, maybe maybe just a, a little bit to herself. Yeah, I was watching the episode again last night, and um, I think my favorite line from the episode is when uh, we have uh, Ramsey is like in the bedroom with uh, Miranda 
Miranda. And she's just Miranda. Standing, standing there like totally naked. Like, I mean, this is Winterfell. What's going to be like, what, 30 degrees in that room? I don't know what the hell she's thinking. It's cold. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, winter is coming. Put some, yeah. <laughs> you know, put something on. Yeah. And so she, too. Yeah, she's standing there. And she's like talking about like, are we going to get married? And he's like, uh, like, uh, like, oh, get married. Like, uh, I'm creating a dynasty. A dynasty. <laughs> Slip. I really like I'm the way. I'm creating a dynasty. Like, I'm creating a dynasty. Yeah. What a little jerk. <laughs> Can't even say it right. Yeah. Maybe a dynasty is something else. No, I think, I think it's possible that we're saying it wrong. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I think so. Sorry, Ramsey. Sorry, Ramsey. Yeah, don't flay me. All right. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap this up with... Uh, Let's, let's get a question from Bob Phelan. Um, Bob Phelan writes in. This, this ties in nicely to things that are going on in your neck of the woods, Rob. Bob writes in and says, you know, a lot of people have died on Game of Thrones. Oh, Could you cast Game of Thrones second chances? <laughs> or is that too much of an off-season podcast where you can really <laughs> yes. play the season out? Yes. I think that's definitely a great off-season podcast. But um, who, who, who would you bring back? Okay, well, are we doing like, like, uh, like Thoros of Mir? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's breathe some life back into these people. <laughs> Give them the the Lightning Lord treatment. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, Rob. All right, you get you get to bring back three men, three women. We don't have to play out a season, but those are that's the rules. You got six people you could bring back to life right now. Okay. Now again, is this sort of the you know um, Lord of Light type magic? Like Arya asks, like, uh, so if somebody got their head cut off, could you bring them back? And like, uh, not really. Right. Yeah. No, I think that a little that's bit of Highlander type thing. So we can't yeah, bring like, back Ned you, Stark. You, yeah, you can't bring back Ned Stark. Probably you can't bring back Rob Stark. Okay. Lord knows those guys would love second chances. <laughs> they would like a second. They'd probably blow it though. They'd probably blow it. They probably would blow it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and no Jana Slint. His head is gone. <laughs> okay. Was he really on the table for you? <laughs> no, I just want to make sure but he's out. I'm surprised he didn't go Rickard Carr Stark. <laughs> All right. Deep cut. Okay. Let's go ahead and let's bring back Cat Stark because that would make uh, some of the book readers happy. Yes. Okay. So that's one. Boy. Uh, um, who else? Who else is gone that we that we like? So many people. So many people. I, I would bring back Tywin Lannister. I like I liked him on the show. Would you bring him back? Like, would he have bowel trouble for the rest of his life because he'd been shot in the bowel? <laughs> Yes. Yes. It's a I difficult think so. thing to come back from. Yeah, that is that's tricky. But how we'll, about Joffrey? Would you bring Joffrey back? Yes. Yes. Joffrey's coming back. Yeah, he was good TV. Anybody that was good TV, they can they can come back. Uh, is he just gonna be purple forever? He's just gonna like eternally look like Violet Beauregard. Yes. Uh, can we bring back uh, Viserys? We can bring back Viserys, and he's gonna have metal face. Yes. All what? right. Well, you've just used your three men, so no, ah. no, Carl Drogo. Oh, I blew no it. Carl Drogo. <laughs> no. No, Carl. Oh, okay. what a bummer. All right. And then who else? So I got to bring back some women that are dead. You've got, you've got two women you can bring. Mm, I'm trying to think of some uh, dead women. Who else is who? What women are dead? I mean, there's Egrit. You could bring her oh, back. Oh, she was nice. You could bring back, uh, if you don't want to bring Rob Stark back, you could bring his wife no, back. No, no. Talissa, um, we're good. She's toast. She's done. We're good. We'll bring, <laughs> we'll bring back Egrit. We'll bring back Egrit. You could bring back Rob. You know nothing, Talissa. Roz would be good. I was a big Roz, Roz guy. Back? Yes. That's fine. Say Shay as well. No, no. Throw some shade at Shay and say no. No, thank you. No, thank you. All we'll right, bring so back Roz. Roz. You got your list. There you go. There you go. That's a good list. Now, right. Who wins that season of Game of Thrones second chance? Tywin Lannister. 
every day. Yes. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's the redemption island of yeah. uh, I mean, Game field, of Thrones Survivor season. It's a tribe of six. I think yeah. he's got this. No, he is going to, yeah. That uh, makes Ometepe look like, uh, like a pretty strong <laughs> tribe. All right. Josh, this Sunday night, we'll be back. 10.15 p.m. Eastern. 7.15 Pacific. We're talking about episode six. Uh, what's episode six called? I actually, uh, I have it right here on HBO.com. Episode uh, six is called uh, The Cootie Spot. The Cootie Spot. Yes. yes. So we'll I see what happens. And episode seven is called uh, The Gray Wedding. The Gray Wedding. Wow. <laughs> so you've just been spoiling. Well, the shit yeah, I read the book. I read, <laughs> I, read, I, read, I, read, I read the book this week. In the offseason. No, the episode <laughs> six is called Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. <laughs> well, that's like uh, Out Without Play at Last. <laughs> it kind of is. Let's see if that plays into anything. What's it called? Out, uh, unbowed, unbent, unbroken. Like, uh, all right. <laughs> Seven realms. <laughs> 4,000 characters. One Iron Throne. Yeah, I like that. Okay, great stuff. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. All right, so, uh, of course, uh, ha- hashtag cootie spot on this yeah, episode. Pretty easy, pretty easy. Follow uh, Josh Wiggler on Twitter. He's at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Are you doing book club this week? We're doing book club this week. Not live, unfortunately, but Terry Schwartz and I, we will be getting together and we will be talking about all the book stuff. Oh, man. I can't wait because once we get to the end of this season, then I can binge listen to every book club episode. Is that what you're going to do? I think I probably would. Please don't. I make fun of you sometimes. (laughs) That's why I have to go back and check now. Oh, Game of Thrones season five, never end. Or George Martin, write faster. One of yeah. those two. Yeah, so maybe we'll see. Uh, I, I might try to uh, keep up with uh, reading the books. Maybe I'll do it like, uh, you know, all through the off season. I'll keep, I'll keep reading and then I'll, and then I'll do book club after I finish the books. Oh my God, that buys me some time. Buys you some time. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you guys uh, so much. Of course, you can send in your questions every week at postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail or got at postshowrecaps.com. We're looking forward to hearing your comments as always on postshowrecaps.com. And then we'll see you guys on Sunday night. Take care, everybody. Bye.